I'd like to welcome everyone to Sunday service here at Ananda Village in the Temple of Light. So I'll be reading I Am Nayaswami Parvati. This is Nayaswami Pranabha, and we're very happy to be with you this morning. I'll be reading from Rays of the One Light, weekly commentaries on the Bible and Bhagavad Gita. The topic for this week, the redeeming light. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramhansa Yogananda. The book of Isaiah in the Bible, chapter nine tells us, the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. What is this light of which so many scriptures speak? In Autobiography of a Yogi by Paramhansa Yogananda, we read of an early experience the master had with that light. I was blessed about the age of eight with a wonderful healing through the photograph of Lahiri Mahashai. This divine gave, this experience gave me, gave intensification to my divine love. While at our family estate in Ichapur, ben Bengal, I was stricken with Asiatic cholera. My life was despaired of. The doctors could do nothing. At my bedside, mother frantically motioned to me to look at Lahiri Mahashai's picture on the wall above my head. Bow to him mentally. She knew I was too feeble even to lift my hands in salutation. If you really show your devotion and inwardly kneel before him, your life will be spared. I gazed at his photograph and saw there a blinding light enveloping my body and the entire room. My nausea and other uncontrollable symptoms disappeared. I was well. At once I felt strong enough to bend over and touch mother's feet in appreciation of her immeasurable faith in her guru. Mother pressed her head repeatedly against the little picture. O oh, omnipresent master, I thank thee that thou that thy light hath healed my son. I realized that she too had witnessed the luminous blaze through which I had instantly recovered from a usually fatal disease. Where my light is, God once told a saint whom the divine light had healed, no darkness can dwell. The divine light, pure, calm, liberating, is the only final cure for every kind of delusion. Ill health, emotional grief, and spiritual ignorance. Seek it daily in the silence, in deep meditation. As the Bhagavad Gita says in the fifth chapter, for whom that darkness of the soul 
is chased by light. Splendid and clear shines manifest the truth, as if a sun of wisdom sprang to shed its beams of light. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Om, Om, Om. This is one of the readings from Whispers from Eternity from Paramahansa Yogananda. Demand to set fire to the forest of darkness. Now, we won't do that literally in this dry time, but. I built a fire of devotion in the dark forest of delusion. Alas, the fire only smoldered. Then thou didst come and set fire to a few of my frailties. That fire quickly spread, consuming the bushes of my prickly desires, my tall, towering vanities, and the thick underbrush of my arrogance. The whole force of my darkness is blazing, and I behold only thy light shining everywhere. I thank thee, Father, for thy help. Help me thus always. Let me open a path of light for all to follow. So, as these readings refer to, that this light is constant in our lives, and actually it's our true reality. It's who we really are. And it's just that we covered up, and we don't really have the sense of that experience. I was just reading yesterday, I was reading uh, something that had uh, quirky truths of realities that we think are true in one way and actually different. But it mentioned that the, you know, we refer to the speed of light, several hundred thousand you know, miles per whatever, as being a constant. But science says that in certain substances, it changes its speed drastically in some substances. And I thought that's really true for us. That's what happens, is that we, we know light is that constant in our lives. But guess what happens? As the affirmation quality in our, uh, that Parvati read, non-attachment is important because those attachments come in and they alter what that light is. You know, it's interesting that both in the Bhagavad Gita and in the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali, there's an emphasis of this word vairagya. And l normally what we translate it as is non-attachment. The actual word vairagya in English literally means without color. Isn't that interesting? It doesn't mean we shouldn't have color in our lives. That's not the point. The point is that if we can free ourselves from just being attached to the expression of our spirituality, of our light, then we can really feel fulfillment. You know, um, if you think of a prism or a crystal, that it, uh, it has that light coming into it. So the crystal is clear. We talk about the concept of crystal clarity being crystal clear. And as that light comes into a prism or a crystal, uh, the light is refracted, it bends. And what does it produce? The whole array of the rainbow. I know in our house, we've got a crystal high up in our eastern facing window. 
And so uh, in the mornings when I'm lying on the floor doing my yoga asanas in our living room, I look up and there's a variety of different little rainbows that are up there. And of course, when you look to where that's coming from, it's that light of the sun coming through that prism, that crystal. And so the idea that we want to be without disturbances, we want to be in the pure light. And then that pure light can, through us, become the magic of the rainbow. But we want to be able to tune into the source, that essence of what's going on for us. Because if we can do that, then there's real possibilities for us to become one with our true nature. That the idea of non-attachment, as the reading from the affirmation book uh, portrayed is, is, is really important. It's one of the ways that we really need to daily look at what's happening. And it's less that we have to worry about being attached, although that's important, it's significant to a degree. We want to feel where are we expanding our consciousness? Where are we moving towards the essence of God's presence? And we do that by touching inward with meditation, of course. But we really touch that in every experience of our lives. That if we can come from who we are in the essence, everything becomes part of that spirituality. And indeed, that's really what Yogananda brought us, is this important reminder that every part of creation is divine. But it's also important to realize every part of creation is a temptation into delusion. That's interesting to understand that both of those are what we're playing with all the time. We need to appreciate that doing certain things that tempt us really uh, can overcome us. I know in the last week I've decided I'm going to uh, at least minimize, if not stop eating precious chocolate. Um, and it's been easy to do. That isn't a problem. But, you know, just that little, oh, it's so nice thought that comes in. And again, chocolate in and of itself, you know, whether we eat or not, isn't really that critical. But it may be critical to each of us individually if we're getting more attached to that. I mean, remember Yogananda, um, when he talked about that at one point in his life, he was starting to really like a, um, uh, a lime drink. And he would have it every day. And he cognized, ooh, maybe this is becoming an attachment. And so for a whole year, he stopped drinking that drink. And then he said he enjoyed it once more without that attachment. Now, whether a master like Yogananda is attached to a lime drink is questionable, but I think it was a story that he gave us where we could understand that probably in our lives, there's not just one or two of those things. There's probably a multitude of things that we just kind of drift into, um, maybe innocently, and suddenly the power they have over us is pretty significant. It's pretty strong in that experience. So this idea of saying, I want to be at that purity of light that comes into life, and then to enjoy those things 
and chocolate is one of those things we can enjoy. But that rainbow of possibilities becomes enlivened from the source of that light. And it isn't pulling us. Because we all know, um, you know, the leprechaun version of this story that the pot of gold is at the end of the rainbow. Someone was saying the other day, we had a meeting uh, on Zoom, naturally on Zoom, um, that was uh, with a lot of our East Coast devotees planning for September of 2022, the anniversary, uh, the 100th anniversary, two years plus, of Paramount's Yogananda landing in Boston, you know, because they had to cancel last year, and this year they felt it was unknown what would happen. But, but my, my background screenshot for my Zoom calls um, is a, a rainbow across the whole picture. And it's taken from Rajasi Ridge here at Ananda Village, looking down towards Rajasi Park. And in it is the Murti of Yogananda. So it's, you know, it's that big on the screen. And so I moved aside and, and pointed as best I could so that's Yogananda with us in this meeting. And someone made the comment, well, he should be at the end of the rainbow. And for whatever reason, I pondered this for a number of times all day yesterday. It was just one of those things. Now, yeah, interesting. And what I felt, that is a good way of thinking of our guru, that he's like that pot of gold, he's there. But I thought, you know, thinking about this more and tuning into it in meditation, I thought, actually, being in the center of the experience is really where Master should be. And that's where he was. Because there isn't some effect that happens through a great Master. Everything is affected by a great Master. And so him poised in the center means that he is the rainbow. He is that experience. There is no filter that happens for him in that experience of, of who he really is in one with God. Now, you know, I began the service with a prayer that's from the Festival of Light. You get points, and you can go home and have a brownie if you uh, knew that. So what was that prayer? Lord, we offer up the little light that is in us, into thy infinite, in thy blazing light of infinity. Grant us the grace to know thee and make us ever increasingly pure channels of thy love to all. But that's really how we can tune in, that we offer up whatever light we have as an experience. Or there's times, perhaps you felt this, I don't feel the light. What am I doing? Who am I? And so just that, that intention, that willingness to say, that littleness that I can offer you, I do it wholeheartedly. I was giving a class, um, uh, a class that recorded for the upcoming online Essence of Yoga Sutras course that Gyandev and Diksha will do. And it's a course that Parvati and I have done many years in person at the Expanding Light as a retreat program for a week-long experience for people. But there's, there's this understanding that if you 
dedicate yourself wholeheartedly, you have a whole heart. Isn't that nice? That's where non-attachment is leading to. It's really feeling that we're glowing in the light in our hearts because we've dedicated ourselves wholeheartedly into that experience. And so in the Festival of Light, we remember, or if you're new to this, that it is an experience, this ceremony called the Festival of Light that we hold at the end of Sunday services every Sunday at Ananda, that there is this beautiful, and this is written by Swami Kriyananda, that Swami Kriyananda has written this beautiful allegory of the bird. And the bird goes through four stages of its experience. And the first one, as we know, is where the bird is sent out from the divine. And so this represents, of course, each of us as being a soul. And so the bird is given that experience of going out into the world. And this is the mission. It's simply we are set in motion by the divine to be a part of creation. But what's part of that, as the festival says, that we are there to expand and multiply the gifts that God has given us. Because that's really our nature to be in that experience of expanding and going beyond any confinement, containment of who we are individually, that we can be that experience to touch the world. And then from that point where the bird and us reflecting that experience of the bird, we start to realize because we're in duality, we're in delusion, by the nature that there is creation, there is delusion, there is duality, that our egos come into play and we say, what else is wisdom if not to get for myself what is mine? And so we have those attachments, those filters on that pure light. And we start to feel that it's those filtered experiences that are really our true self. We start to associate with the expressions and lose that connection to the essence of who we are. And that revolt is strong. And then we are tested by life's experiences. We, we get beaten by the rain, the winds lash at us, and we start to feel this is overwhelming. And in the world around us, you see that when the tests become just seemingly insurmountable, overwhelming is that it's so easy for despair to come in, to doubt what is God's presence in this life, in this world that constantly has these disruptions, these brutal demonstrations of delusion happening. And so as we are beaten up by life's experiences, and the bird feels that in the story. Then there's this shift where we start to open up to those possibilities, and we start to feel the soaring of the soul high above the clouds. And we start to feel there is a deeper reality 
a higher reality, a broader reality, that we can understand a little at first and then more and more until we enter that stage which is called the quest. And what's the difference between the stage of a quest to the stage of a mission? The mission is us set, just set in motion from the divine. The quest is us creatively, consciously, with our own willingness to say there is more. And this is really, if you understand, these systems in India, along with yoga, we have Shankya and Vedanta. And Shankya, in a simplistic way of looking at it, is that understanding that life itself will not give us fulfillment. That there's something that isn't real behind all those experiences. And then we start to go deeper, and yoga comes to us, and we start to realize that there is something behind those experiences, but not what we thought when we were thinking that the outward form was that experience. We were realizing it's more inward. So that's Shankya, that we start to realize this life of duality will never bring us fulfillment. And so that's when yoga kicks in for the quest. That's that taking on attunement with the divine that we start to focus where our energies are, where our consciousness is, where our awareness is. And it's always leading towards that refinement because it's, it's good to always really affirm and appreciate and realize that we are that divine light. We're simply refining the experience of that. We're taking the crystal out of its dark corner that we've thrown it at some point and brought it out where that sunshine can come through it and in that clarity produce the beauty of existence. So that quest is really where we go through in that movement of yoga, of feeling our union and allowing that to be a part of what we are in every aspect. And then the fourth stage is redemption. And redemption is, a, is an interesting word um, because it's often associated with being saved. And certainly in the Christian tradition, it's about being saved. And so for a lot of us on the path of yoga, that isn't a normal kind of relationship that we really tune into. But we can, and that's why it's in the Festival of Light. It's, if you look at it in a refined way, if you think of redemption more in terms of that it's the fulfillment, that it's not a reconciling of something that went wrong. It is that, for sure. But it's more, it's finding that fulfillment in the purity of who we are, in that supreme light in that divine consciousness. And when we're able to move more in that experience, it is as if redemption is somewhere beyond us. It is as if fulfillment is somewhere beyond us. We're allowing us to uncover more and more that true reality. I remember 
in a satsang with Swami Kriyananda, I think it was probably back in the earlier mid-1980s, there was a group of us in um, Crystal Hermitage Dome with him, and he was, he was just answering questions. And this one man made this comment. He said, you know, I've never had the experience of the spiritual eye. Is it because I'm not growing spiritually? And am, I, and am I worthy to be a minister? I think I was a minister of satsang. And he said, should I still remain a minister? I don't have this experience. And Swami Krenan's response was very, very helpful and inspiring. He said, with things like this, whether it's this seeing this light, the spiritual eye, hearing the cosmic sound of Om, always be in the experience of opening yourself to that realization. Always have that opening in your awareness. But he said, because of karma, you never know what God will give you as an experience. He said some people, and he said this throughout the decades, some devotees won't see the light. Maybe they'll see it in their last breath before they leave their bodies. Even advanced deep disciples, he said, may not have that experience of the inner light. But if we can positively, magnetically, dynamically always be open to it, that experience is there. We just may not be able to cognize it. But in our heart of hearts, if we're opening up and we're attuning to that, we start to sense that experience, even though it isn't the light of the spiritual eye. It is our experience. And so for all of us, that redeeming light is always with us. It is the experience of our soul's journey to self-realization, of our soul's return to the essence of who we are. And that is always before us. That's always the invitation from God and Guru that we can be in that experience. So each one of us can be that dynamic experience. And then with that dynamic experience personally, we're also invited, like the prism, like the crystal, to shine that light into the world around us and produce the beauty of rainbows in other people's lives as well. Let's do that together in this week. Your heart.
Oh, 